Dave, we're back with another episode about trade shows. The ongoing conversation about trade shows. Yes, the topic is back this time. We have a few more pearls for everybody, and it's going to be fun. I think people are going to learn a lot. So we're going to get the rest of the story from episode one That's right. on, on best practices for trade shows. That's right. For those of you counting at home, episode eight was trade shows part one. And now we're back with trade shows part two, which focuses a little bit more on the actual conversation that you're having. Uh, but it does also go into some strategy around how you can properly plan your trade show. I think it's, think it's going to be uh, pretty beneficial for people because still we get a lot of interest uh, in trade shows just with the reactions to the show. People want more trade show content. So here it is for you. But first, we got to knock out food from the road. So, Josh, we're going to go to we're going to head to Philadelphia today. Ooh, the city of brotherly love and narrow the city of the brotherly love. You've been to Philadelphia? I, I lived there for a little while in the Rittenhouse so, area. So we're going right downtown. We're going to go right okay. down, right I'm downtown, right on Let's the square. Go. Right. Yes. Which city square? Hall. Okay, right that one. City Hall. All right. It's in the middle. In the center middle city. of downtown. Yep. Center City. And we're going to head on into Del Frisco's Double mm. Eagle Steakhouse. Oh, my God. Double Eagle oh, Steakhouse. Man. Now. Tell me. I want to tell you, this is an expense report uh, client prospect <laughs> outing. Yeah. Maybe a heads this up. This is our this is a full blown four dollar sign experience. But if you're looking for an authentic, I'm talking like a proper steakhouse, yes. white tablecloths, waiters, white coats, the whole shot. You want to go to Del Frisco's. Uh, a couple of highlights. I got a little theme lately about martinis, but their vodka martini, dirty. Like you could wait at the bar outside for your table. Grab yourself a gray goose martini prepare you know warming up your steak experience but getting in there the cuts are amazing i think i've had the filet there several times they have a bone in a couple of bone in options uh proper proper steak. i think they have a bone in filet some of the other highlights there i highly recommend the lobster mac and cheese Ooh. as a side their sides are kind of done table style so we can join in share I like it when so, people take food and add it to like kids' food to make oh, that more food. I mean, you can't go with a lobster mac and cheese. So, <laughs> you're in Philadelphia. If you're in Philadelphia this week, next week at one of the trade shows there, call up, get yourself a reservation at Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse. You will not regret it. Bring your expense report. You're going to need it. So, last time we covered four things that you could use as a system for prospecting at trade shows. We talked about how trade show selling begins way before you come to set up the booth and how you have to have a plan as you take action at a trade show. And, you ha and just like Dave is saying, you can tell who does and who doesn't. Second, you got to be approachable at the show. You got to structure your booth so that it invites people to have conversations, preferably one-on-one. -on -one. 
with you. We also talked about how you got to break through the conference high. People come up to the booth, they get excited, they say they're going to talk to you, and the meetings don't stick to the calendar. That sucks. So we talked about some different ways to get meetings to stick to the calendar. Episode 8's got plenty of info on that for you. Finally, we talked about how after you have a plan, you've really got to stick to it and what that means. So picking up where we left off, prospecting begins way before you you land at the booth, way before your, your, your plane lands. We established that last time. But here's something. I think it goes back even farther than that, Dave. I think it could go back months, potentially even more than a year before the trade show starts. Yeah. So we're so going to go back. We need to go back in time. You got to rewind back in time. You got to rewind the clock, baby. And yes. this this is what specifically I mean. So most of the time, people do research for their shows, right? So, hey, this looks like a good one to go to. Now, my plan, and I don't know about yours, Dave, but my plan was always uh, pretty bad. It was uh, do some internet research, uh, <laughs> Get a prospectus from the people, uh, review it, book some plane tickets, and head out and see what happens. Uh, that that see what happens. That was not a system. That was uh, that was winging it in the first degree. Hit the and cocktail party. It, yeah, cock. Yeah, sure. Yeah, have you know the happy the opening hour that opening reception happy opening hour. reception time. That's where we'll get them. Let's set up the let's set up the basketball hoop. Then people pop by, have some fun. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty. Uh, it was not good. So what we so we changed something, Dave. We actually started planning for our conferences differently because at the end of the day, when if you go to a show, you pay to send your salespeople, you pay for the sponsorship. It gets really expensive, especially if you want to have a platform oh, yeah. for. Uh, a thought leader at your company to speak. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that can be astronomically high. So yes. if you're going to do it, take a look at the show beforehand. Here's specifically what I mean. What we started doing was looking at shows we want to go to, not this year, Dave, but next year. So in other words, if, if there's an annual show like E-Tail or MarTech or uh, Dreamforce, and you're not necessarily sure if you want to go to the show, send one person, buy one ticket, And their job, it could be selling, it could be networking, but it's mostly to evaluate using an established, agreed-upon set of parameters whether or not that show will be a good investment for the company. And you can find out and work together on specifically what those terms are. For example, you know, how do you rate the help that you get from the production team at the show? Are they being mm-hmm. responsive and answering questions? How would you rate traffic in the on, in the expo hall? Or, you know, is it easy for the attendees to skirt around, have meals, and avoid it entirely? Are there, or, is, or is there actually programming that's bringing people in? You just don't mm-hmm. know those things until you go. So go, evaluate, and then decide. Yes, and one of those, you know, it's a good, you bring up a good point about evaluation. So, you know, in the conferences that we, we had what was called, were called look for, look for unopposed hours. So when you look at the programming of the, of the conference or the, the educational sessions or the whatever's going on for the attendees, uh, say educational sessions could be a lot of different things, keynotes, whatever's going on, 
look at the hours of that versus the show, the exhibit hall hours. So either they're running concurrently, so there's a programming going on, you know, uh, in the morning all through the day, and there's no time mm-hmm. where the trade show is uninterrupted. Yeah. Or you want to find conferences where they're running um, not concurrently, so it's like your educational programming is from 9 to 11. <clears throat> lunch happens, and that's in the trade show hall. So you go, yeah. you make your way to the hall to have lunch. This is fine. And then there's another hour or so of just uninterrupted exhibit hall time. Okay. So those are good things to, to think about where am I going to have a moment in time where I can shine? I can do something in my booth. They're not going to be focused on going to a session. They're going to be focused on being here. And that's the activity they're choosing to do in that moment. Wow. I see. I, I love this dialogue because I remember that you have this perspective from the other side of this whole equation, right? Like you, yeah. you've been, you've been a seller at a trade show. You've been a manager at a trade show, sending sellers and participating in trade shows the way that listeners are, but you've also been the guy they're buying stuff from. Yeah. So all this dialogue around attendance and attendees and numbers and, you know, are they going to be here? I mean, you know, so, but that's right. a good, so you, br- you brought up a great point though, about looking at the schedule of the conference. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't go. It's just having awareness that, you know, when if you're going to be competing, I mean, you're competing, let's, let's be honest, you're competing for their mind share. You're competing yes. for their time. Um, is it, is part of their experience to come and learn from vendors, right? Cause that's part of it. Like you can, you go to medical conferences, for example, a large part of why they're there is to meet with current providers of diagnostics and drugs and the things that they need to be to be better in their role right and part of that's the trade show part of that is going to the sessions to learn same in any industry fair like yeah you know a big restaurant show in chicago you went you went to the booth to see what's next in in food or drink right you also went to learn how to run your restaurant better so just having clarity to your great point on on how do we fit into that mix Exactly. Uh, of, of opportunities. So lots to consider about whether or not you should attend a trade show. And, and it, there's, there's nothing I think that elucidates or illuminates more what you're going to be running into than actually being there and experiencing it. But hopefully mm-hmm. what you've heard from Dave are a few factors to consider while you're there. Second, I brought something while we're still before the show, Dave, I was thinking it would be wise to go a little deeper on how people can prepare for shows in the prospecting sense. So, you know, for my, for my team, I always had a sequence that people followed like everybody does. Right. So I go to the show and then I, you know, follow up with a salvo of just different emails and calls and and a flurry of activity to try to book a meeting um, after the show's over. But in terms of warming people up, we talked last time about having a plan for those people, but here's some more specifics about how you can do that. And, And this is all fitting under the title or the category or a plan of prequence. So don't just have a sequence, have a prequence. And what I mean by that specifically is that uh, you have to identify who's going to be at the show. You can't wait. F- you can't be at the show and wait for whoever just rolls by the booth to be a good prospect for you. Mm-hmm. You have to obtain those names. And we talked last time about what is usually available in terms of the information 
in identifying uh, who's going to be at the show so that your team can do research, pick targets, start mm-hmm. communicating with them ahead of time, and then going to the show looking specifically for those people. We also talked about goals and how goals drive the behavior of your team as the show approaches. Here's some more specifics to get under how they can follow up. So let's say that you have five salespeople and they each have a goal of having five progressive sales conversations to happen within five days of the show. So they're all sharpening the ax a couple of months ahead of time and they're starting to throw some some activity, calls, emails, LinkedIn activity out there. Here's Mm -hmm. something that they can do. When When I would reach out, I had basically three pieces. Number one was a LinkedIn connection with the person that I wanted to speak to, which is, you know, table stakes. Number two, if I sent emails and emails were a part of my frequency, I always contained two other things. So this will be item two and three of, of the three-parter that I'm, that I'm giving out here. Number two is have a video that people can watch, whether it's content or whether it's you in a prospecting video, a la something you would send on Drift or Vidyard. Uh, Because if people watch the video, you can see whether they've watched it, but you can also see how far they've watched it. So that's number two. Number three also could be part of your email sequence, and you can reference it on the phone, you can reference it when you're at the show, is a white paper. And the white paper is something that is specifically adjacent to the material that they're going to be seeing at the show. So if there's mm-hmm. a re- if, if your if your company is sponsoring the show, there must be some connection between the content, the educational content that's on the agenda, and what you do. Find some connecting piece from the endless amount of stuff your marketing department has been putting together. Mm-hmm. utilize that in a trackable link in your CRM when you send it to tell whether or not someone's opened it. So at this point, the show is approaching. I've been making calls, and I've realized something that we all realize. Not very many people are meeting with me or responding to me, <laughs> right? So that that's where you're going to be the day before the yes. show is a little disappointed on the actual number of meetings you've been able to put together to this point. So here's here's how you leverage those three things. Take a look at what people have done. So, if they've so for example, if someone has connected with me on LinkedIn and I've kicked a couple of messages back and forth but we haven't set a meeting and they've watched my video to completion and they've opened my email, I put them in tier 1. If somebody's done two out of three of those things, they're in tier 2 and so on. And so I essentially take the 25 or so people that I've plan on meeting while I'm there and I put them in order of who I'm going to go talk to first based on the interaction they've had with that stuff. Makes sense. That's the idea. That's that's the idea of a frequency. It's designed not necessarily to put meetings on the calendar for you, but it does tell you some sense of whether or not the person you're seeking out on the floor will have heard of you. Yeah. Yeah, so you're you're, you know, you're laying some more groundwork. So at a minimum, like what I hear you saying at a minimum, their brand, your brand awareness. So the fact you're there and, and the brand awareness is improving, you've given them some, uh, content that's relevant to them and, and connects up to their, what, you know, if you're doing to your, if you're doing sponsorship, right, then your brand's going to be a little more present than the other guy. If you're, yeah. if you're paying to have somebody 
uh, as a speaker, so a key opinion leader or thought leader in some venue there, you're going to amp it up even more. So they're going to look at the program. They're going to see you. They're going to see you on the show floor a little differently because there might be some signage that you have. So when they connect to the booth, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember hearing from Josh and I, right. and I saw this white paper. And now the connections are a little more clear. At a minimum, when you're cruising down the aisle, they go, oh, yeah, that was the that was the guy from that company and Josh is the guy and sure. I want to stop yeah. by and see if Josh is there. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, starting with people who have had some kind of LinkedIn dialogue with they're, they're always yes. first like they're, you know, Hey, yeah, I'm going to be there. You can stop by and see me. We, you know, if they haven't necessarily agreed to meet with you, but you acknowledge that each other, you know, exist they're they're top tier others. Mm-hmm. You just have to go by what they've interacted with. So moving forward through time, we're at the event. Another way to maximize uh, the ability for my team to get a meeting is to plan an event that's happening within the start and end time of the trade show. So, for example, there's going to be a after hour kind of maybe uh, opening reception. There's always something like that that's baked into the programming of the show. And it, that stuff's great because it gives you a chance to really mix the crowd together, network. They're usually strategic about uh, creating, you know, opportunities for, for people to meet you. But you can also expand the inventory of available time or available access to Mindshare, as Dave said, by having your own event in town. So we went to Vegas for a conference one year and we booked something, you know, nearby the hotel at a rooftop bar. And it gave us another thing to close towards, right? So obviously I want to have a meeting with somebody while they're at the show. If that doesn't work, I want to have a meeting with somebody while they're after the show. But if I've got another option, if my first two options, I haven't had time for them, or if I just need more time with this prospect, hey, we got this free event that we're doing, drinks included, throwing in a few apps. It's happening tomorrow night. I know there's not any other programming going on. You're invited, and you're probably stuck here in town anyway. Come have some fun with us. And you get Mm -hmm. more time, more access to Mindshare, or just more exposure to that particular prospect. Yeah. Makes sense. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I uh, I was about to move on to the last thing, but uh, if you had had a thought on that. Well, no, the the whole idea of events, like in – in either so as when you think about the show organizer there you know there's two options right you can you can go take create your own event off-site um and there's oftentimes so just be mindful when you're thinking about engaging at a show if you're going to making an investment oftentimes the show organizers will also have available things you can sponsor like including cocktail hours and uh yes sometimes sometimes they'll also have rooms available so on that what they're on premise. So the difference would be an attendee can stay on site and, and move from the comp, the trade show room to a ball, you know, ballroom or a meeting room or something that you're, you're, you're sponsoring the event. It doesn't have to be offsite. Offsite ones work quite well. Uh, there are also other options. Is, That's is, right. Uh, and, you know, I, when, when considering both, I, al- I always found doing our own event to be more economical, not, yeah. not because it didn't, so, so the options that, that you brought up are ones that are going to drive more people to your event, obviously. So if you do a sponsored event, you've got, you've got the 
programming side, the media company on your team sending people to you. So there, you can't, I mean, that's really tough to compete with. But, you know, if you do your own, uh, a lot of times you'll probably find that buying drinks for everybody that you send there, if your people <laughs> work hard on that, it's actually less expensive yes. than, than doing something sponsored. And it also allows you to control the venue, control the quality of what they're seeing. You can invite your clients. We talked last time about how not to get distracted yes. by having a lot of other people at the booth. This would yes. allow you a venue to send those people to. So when your prospect walks in, it's not just going to be a room full of salespeople. It's going to be a room full of people who trust your, trust your brand, trust your company, know you, work with you, and want to refer you. So yes. that's another item. Yeah, don't let that one go by. Uh, that, the idea that you're going to surround new prospects with current clients yes. is very powerful. It's valuable. It's valuable. And valuable. So most of the time, they're going to be advocating for you. Yeah, right? should like, be. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're they're not going to be showing up to your event uh, to uh, to tell everybody that it's not working or exactly. whatever. You know, it's it's generally going to be a very positive uh, experience. Exactly. So, but that definitely takes some some planning ahead of time. A lot not of just planning to secure yes. it, but also to get your marketing and your salespeople both aligned that that's going to be happening to drive drive people to it. There mm -hmm. could be other prospects in town. So that's another advantage of doing your own versus a sponsored event is that if you do your own event and you have a hundred prospects in town, that's just, you know, they're just geographically adjacent to wherever you're doing it. Yes. You can invite them to come. They don't need a badge. They don't have to badge through outside of the, the actual show. So <laughs> last thing I brought you is just uh, people on the street, whoever. So, uh, last thing I, I brought, so moving forward from the actual show, you have a sequence. We all know what sequences are and, and how they work. What I recommend on top of having a sequence is to stay with the theme of giving your sales team as many opportunities or as many at-bats with the same prospects to book meetings as possible. Mm -hmm. Have something else planned for a couple of weeks after the show. Specifically what I mean is a post-show event. It can be virtual, or if the stars align, it can be physical in, in, in a physical location. But if it's virtual, for example, talk to your marketing department about putting on an event with a speaker and try to think about how that specific event could be bonus content for what the learners or attendees came to the show to learn about. Advertise it when you're there. Put it in your materials before and after the show and say, look, we'll be talking about this really specific thing that you're probably interested in in a couple of weeks. It's a free event. Here's some information there. So now my salesperson is equipped with yet another thing to close towards. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. I call that a post show. So we covered the prequence, covered an on-site yes. event, and now a sequence towards a post-show. A lot of sequences don't really have a date or something to push towards, yes. right? They just kind of run, you know, just follow up with this person and follow up with this person. But if you actually have an event, then it gives, it gives you some extra content, or I'm sorry, some context to push uh, attendees towards. Yeah, so all good. The further back we can, the further back we can start, the more impact and the more the better ROI we're going to get on any show. Yeah. And there's there's one one more layer that you might think about that fits right into this 
having a prequence and and having some clarity on getting meetings because what's the number one objective when you're going to a show get meetings yeah those deals we want to schedule a meet at a minimum we want to schedule a hey there's enough here to for us to continue schedule a, a proper discovery conversation because yeah, i can qualify you on the show floor and in that moment thinking about um scheduling the next meeting now to your point we want to book the meeting so whether it's uh, i'm not sure yet we can invite him to another event after the fact smart we can straight up book a meeting right there on the show floor we both you know we've, we've talked about this before we're carrying our calendars in our pockets now right. it's not right it's not um the idea that I don't know what my calendar looks like next week is a little thin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> right? I, like, I don't know. know if Dan can meet, do you really, you know? So yeah. my, you know, my, my move is just, I just get literally just get my phone out with my calendar up and say, would you mind opening up your calendar? Let's take a look at next week and see what might make sense. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, Linking back to episode eight, we talked about how you, you know, want to stick to your plan and sticking to the plan means, hey, right. make it easy for people to book meetings with you. Yes. And then the other thing that um, we, you, that doesn't make, this doesn't make sense for everybody. Uh, but part of that frequency leading into the meeting is when you think about your team. So you've got, let's say you're sending five, you know, 10 sellers, sometimes it's more, but you're sending five or 10 sellers into the conference. Uh, leading up to the event, so we're starting maybe three months out in this case, Fair. starting to actually book meetings. So yeah. in addition to what you're going to get, so we would set up a, uh, a shared calendar or, or a shared spreadsheet. Really, it was just a spreadsheet, which worked quite well. But you put the schedule on there of the show, right? Like, yeah. you know, conference, these are the hours of the show. And, and we would put empty slots on there. So like each seller is like, you got to book a breakfast meeting. You got to book a lunch meeting. You got to book a cocktail meeting. Right. Yeah. And in between, like, so, so they would go, they would be staring at their, yeah. their own individual schedule. Okay. Um, so I've got an right? empty place on my calendar that I've got to fill. Got to go fill. And, and so leading, going into the event to your earlier, great point, like who am I linked in with? Start with those. Can I slot them in in advance where we're going to pre-scheduled coffee or breakfast or pre-scheduled the lunch or pre-scheduled the cocktail time? Yeah. Uh, And so going into the event, you've got a a calendar of commitments. Now, with enough time in between where you're not totally locked down, although that wouldn't be horrible. Um, But what helped me as a sales leader, and Josh, you can, you know, so look at operating a couple levels. Tactically, the seller is like got a full calendar. Yeah. Right. Now as a sales leader, knowing it going in, my role there is, you know, variable. Like, do I need to be in these meetings? Right. Yeah. Is this somebody that I can, or can I just sit back and watch it all play out and go, man, we let, we left there with, we got into the show with 20 meetings and and we can just manage outcomes. But I know where people are going to be, what they're doing, and they're more in control of their schedule. They're more in control those outcomes. So it's just another, another thing to add. And it actually fits in quite nicely. If, if you choose to do it, some, some companies don't have the capacity or it's just not kind of in their DNA to manage it at that level yet. Um, but when you think about your frequency, right? Just the other little variable is somebody raises their hand early and says, yeah, I'm interested in knowing more about your business. It would give you an opportunity to, to book a meeting 
yeah. uh, at the conference before you even get there. So just another way to think about those Excellent. tactics. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's great context and, and more specifics people can use. I think this has been another great episode on trade shows, Dave. I think people are going to be ready for trade shows to hit this year and excited uh, about their chances to win business and set meetings. Yes. So, Josh, yes. I'm a new sales leader, right? Or You are? Okay. I got you. CEO of a company. Hello. And I'm thinking about getting into the trade show game or amping up the trade show game. So summarize for me, like the high level, what are the high level things I need to check the box on if I'm going to get into this? All right. Well, the, the show and planning for the show could start as early as a year ahead of time. Have very clear goals and objectives ahead of time for what your people are going to do. Make the most of the investment that you're making in sending the people there by maximizing the amount of chances they get to set meetings by having a show happen or an event happen at the show and having a post-show happen after the event. Get your marketing team involved in creating more space and inventory to allow your sales team to maximize the at-bats. While they're at the show, engage them in some role play and training. Another thing that people could do, this is going to sound a little cheesy, is if you're uh, in, a, in an office-based location where a lot of your people work together in an office, you can always get the booth out of the closet, set it up somewhere in a communal space, and then play a game where your sales team has to be at the booth, but you hand out personas, questions, and challenges to the rest of the company. And they go and they hit those salespeople with role play scenarios that we're trying to work on at the booth. Give, give people some practice for how to set meetings. We talked last time about, you know, uh, don't let your practice go by or don't let your time go by without setting a meeting and do everything you can to, you know, shake that meeting off if it's not really going to stick to make sure that it does. That's excellent. I was, you can't see me, obviously, I was chuckling. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, I, we just the uh, idea of of doing no. that. Sales. Well, listen the 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 idea of practicing before you know. So just to just to you know, I don't know. We're going to keep repeating ourselves, but goal clarity: how many meetings? Uh, you know, going into we want to set how many meetings we want to leave with. Like having some real purpose uh, will help because the question you're going to get. From I don't care what role you're in, whether you're the founder, you're the CEO, you're the sales leader, CRO, the one question you're going to get is, what was our return on this investment? Yes. 100% of the time. And so right. going into it with that in mind, and the idea of practicing with your with the, the company team is outstanding. Yes. <laughs> we, had, we hadn't really talked about that, but... I, you know, set it this far. I mean, it's great. Set up the booth. Like number one, set up the booth just tactically. That's a good practice because you could show up and miss it. It could be missing a panel. Like it's better to know that before you get there. Right. Absolutely. Um, But then doing the role play, uh, there's nothing better than that because people want to trip up the sellers and it's a good time to practice and have some fun and have a good, have a good laugh about it. Plus it also helps the rest of the internal team uh, realize how hard it is. 
Yeah. And then have right. a little bit of grace, give you a little bit of grace. That's right. Sales is a hard business. That's why we have this podcast. All right, everybody. Have a safe time. Yeah, we're recording this uh, before Memorial Day, so that's yeah, probably have, have, a, have, a, have, a, have a good uh, Memorial Day weekend, even though you'll hear it probably after. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're into disclaimers, this next part is really going to rock your world. Sales Tales is a Kaufman Group podcast. The Kaufman Group is a franchisee of the Sandler Network. All rights reserved. No portion of this publication may be used without the express written permission of Sandler Systems, LLC. Sound engineering for this podcast by C2D2 Films.